You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. What? It's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Well, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it. You feel it? Faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, Station Who listeners, and welcome to another episode. This is gonna be a fun one. We're going back to the Fourth Doctor era, and we are looking at Pyramids of Mars. I was actually really surprised when you know this came up and we realized we have never reviewed this one on this show I on this we, show yeah i think we did way back when on earth station one yes we did when we were still doing doctor who stuff on there so but this is great but we didn't have mary then we had a bobby nash i think or something at that point <laughs> and mary is you know light years beyond that you know light years exactly light years exactly you know you know he's just a writer mary is a writer and an artist and yeah just so they're bobby yeah, exactly actually bobby's an artist too yeah i know i've seen his sketches he's actually pretty good he is yeah so i'm i'm pretty impressed so we are going to be going back to 1975 and looking at the fourth doctor and sarah jane smith taking on sutek so it should be a lot of fun um i will be f- interesting to hear what you guys have to say about this and you know it's been a while since i've seen it so it'd be very cool let me introduce my co-host for tonight of course you've already heard mary ogle hi everybody it is fantastic to be here it's always great to have you here mary and of course mr mike gordon howdy Yep, he's going to be walking like an Egyptian by the time this show's over tonight. We are all playthings of Sutek. Exactly. It's interesting. You know, it, it was it was interesting. When I was younger, I used to get this one confused with Hand of Fear. And, you know, for some reason, and I always thought, when, whenever I used to start watching, oh, this is the one where Sarah Jane leaves at the end. But it's like, nope, nope, nope. Nope. Which is good. So... This is this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. Let us know what you guys think. And as always, we want to say thank you guys for listening. And if you get a chance, please give us five stars wherever you listen to the show at. It just lets people know, hey, these guys are good. These guys are great. Or, oh, they're just a Doctor Who podcast. What the hell? So definitely, please, you know, give us five stars if you, if you can. So, definitely ready to hop in with both feet. We're going to go back to the 25th of October, 1975. 
And this was shown only in four parts, thank goodness, because I was just like, when I started watching this, I was like, oh, please don't be more than four. Please don't I think we all say that before every classic episode. Please don't be six parts. Oh, six, eight, or the dreaded ten part. Well, we just pretend that one doesn't exist. Exactly. Ah. Exactly. So it's very interesting to do, and... I remember seeing this one as a kid on PBS. This was in my early wheelhouse of Doctor Who. And it was just as fun this time. You know, this is the first appearance of the Fez in Doctor Who. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, I feel like they played this one a lot. I don't oh. know. I don't know why. I don't know if they really played it more than the other ones. But I feel like I saw it many times. Oh, I know. Because I think... I know they played this one a lot, like during uh, pledge during drives. During pledge drives, yeah. And, stuff. and, you know, Mike and I were talking a little bit about it last night after we were recording Earth Station One. And this one actually felt a little more epic, though, than a lot of the other episodes of that era. All of them were great. Tom and Sarah's run was just awesome. And, you know, Elizabeth and Tom Baker had some of the best chemistry on Doctor Who. But it was just real interesting when, you know, you you see this from the very first scene with the TARDIS spinning in space. It, it was just like, really? You know? But, um, it, you know, how it just looked like a little toy, like, was spinning around and everything. And they introduced the Doctor. And... It's like the scene they brought, they came in on, on Tom, he's like, his, like, like looking down at the floor. So as he, you see the figure with the hat and then he raises his head and the brim looking all serious. And then the smile comes, which is pretty awesome. So it was, it, it just had a more grand feel to it. And the opening, you know, the very opening of course was them breaking into the tomb, you know, type. So. Yeah, where we learn the message of the entire story, which is when a, um, a, a uh, what is it, a superstitious savage uh, tells oh, you to run. That you was run. unfortunate like, turn like, of phrase. Don't, uh, don't, um, uh, unfortunate, and yet uh, I'm sure uh, pretty tame compared to what they probably called him back then in 1911. <laughs> Oh, very much so. And, yeah, there, were, there was some very bad typecasting in this one, again. and But that was completely the era of it. And, you know, a lot of racism about the Middle East and the Egyptians. And it was, it was right there in your face. You had no where to go without well i mean it was realistic in the sense that the britain's colonialism <laughs> was on full display oh yeah. yes very much <laughs> absolutely so. absolutely so exactly and it was it was real interesting to see you know you know it up there and you know 1911 the uk and the doctor and Sarah thought they were going back to unit headquarters. Technically, they did, just in the wrong year. <laughs> Typical just, TARDIS. Just overshot it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Exactly. And 
Was this one of the first ones where they actually said Sarah was from 1980? I don't know because <laughs> she kept on saying it and you know yeah i want to go back to 1980 but they had to make a big thing out of it because they were foreshadowing what was going to happen mm-hmm. exactly. to so uh so yeah because i'm yeah my memory is bad and i don't remember i i think i've seen the first one with sarah and the third doctor but i didn't realize that that took place in the quote-unquote future from when they were recording it I knew um, the unit stories were further in the future than the nineteen than nineteen seventy. I just didn't huh, know. I didn't realize it, but I didn't know how far in the future and such because it was what at the time of the record of this recording five years in the future. So, right, right. But I mean, it would uh, yeah, timey wimey. But I like like I said, I just never realized that during the. Uh, third doctor era when he was stuck i didn't realize that wasn't quote unquote in real time i thought that was i didn't realize that was in the future i thought that that was in real time for when they were filming it well they didn't do very much to make you feel like you were in the future yeah i know i just you know i didn't i guess it didn't seem that futuristic to me so yeah uh you know but um you know it's fine uh you know he certainly doesn't i don't know does he return her to 1980 at least um, I think so. Yeah, but just not sure in the right, would, not in the right. Yeah, town. just not in the right place. It's not in the yeah. right town. But okay. I think it's the right year. He does get the year right, at least. A so you know, give him some credit. Well, exactly, and it wasn't so funny how sometimes he could just pilot it on it, like and like right where he needs to go. Like I need to go to Mars. Bam, he's right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sutik controls him, and suddenly he can fly the TARDIS. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Exactly. Sarah's life is in danger. Fly the TARDIS, no problem. Just want to go on a leisurely flight. Let's go visit, you know, the Brigadier. Ah, oh, no way in heck. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you want to you wanna scare uh, Sarah into, like, doing the right thing? Uh, we'll just go right to 1980. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, he had no problem with that at all. No. Nope. You want to see the apocalypse? No problem. <laughs> want to see what will happen if we don't change things? Although I will admit, I was kind of struck by... Uh, Sarah saying that. I mean, she's been with the doctor well enough to know that he's not just going to like leave. Like, oh, the Sutek is uh, is harming the planet. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's take a pass on this. Let's just go back to 1980. It's like, Sarah, you this is you this is not your first ride in the Tardis. Yeah, that, that seemed a bit out of character for her. But it was neat because they actually, you know, he said, "Oh, you want to go back to 1980? Let me show you what will happen if we go back to 1980 and you don't, we don't do anything." Yep. And that was it. Was like, Doctor, where are we? 1980. It's where you wanted to go. But you know, knowing the Doctor, it could have been anywhere. You're right. You're right. <laughs> That's true. It could have been Venus or something, you know, and he, you know, you could have just told her, yeah, it's 1980, Sarah, you'll believe me. What, what do we always say about the doctor? The doctor lies. There you go. Exactly. So, but yeah, it, it was, it was an interesting story. I uh, liked all the characters in this. I thought it was very well done. And, you know, I thought Tom was in control you know, this was the one where the doctor was the smartest person in the room the whole time. I think 
I think this is one that shows that uh, the Doctor has a real challenge on his hands. Like, this oh, is one I where, never said he where, didn't have a challenge. Where Sutek is, like, more powerful, stronger, knows what's going on. The Doctor is playing catch-up all along, trying to figure out how to stop him. Um, it keeps getting, um, you know, uh, sidetracked uh, left and right. And and is really put and 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 credit to Tom because this is before Tom is like I think later on where Tom goes like yeah no I won't do like I don't think the doctor should be fooled this way or whatever because this like that scene where between him and Sutek where Sutek just you know blasts his brain and and all that I mean he sells the heck out of that scene it looks like he's in agony yeah and, he is being tortured yeah and it's not like it's not like. Shatner overselling. It really <laughs> looks like it looks. It really looks great, and uh, I don't know that Tom does that later on. You know, I don't know if Tom goes, yeah, maybe not. You know, it, maybe he just goes in and goes, you know, Zutek tries something and he like just pops out like, hey, do you want a jelly baby? It makes it such a more interesting story. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really like that he's met someone who's basically his equal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a villain that, that he can really spar with, not not somebody who's too, you know, who he outwits too easily. Yeah, Sutek is a, is a great villain in this. Uh, I don't know if he shows up later in, in like, any, you know, in any sort of big finish or anything like that. So I, I have to believe that, you know, with the power of this this story and how well regarded it is uh, that, you know, that's, this is not the quote unquote last we see of Sutek. Um, the 10th doctor actually takes on Sutek again in the comics, actually. Oh, well, that's cool. Yes. I don't um, remember if it was the first run of the 10th doctor era or when he went to Titan. Oh, uh, with the IDW? I, yeah. I think it was the, I, I think it was the IDW ones because that was also the same era that um, Matt Smith's doctor had David Bowie as a companion and a giant dinosaur. <laughs> as you do. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I, uh, I don't know when the first time I saw this was. I, I Unfortunately, I, I feel like I watched some of it or saw parts of it when I was younger. Uh, but to be honest with you, those brain cells are long since accessible to me. Um but I do know that, you know, during my rewatch, and I think that when we were, when we did our review on our station one, many, 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 many moons ago, um, I, I, you know, fell in love with this story. This is one of my favorites. This is uh, uh, the way it's written, the adventure elements to it, uh, the pacing, the, the characterizations, the threats, the cliffhangers. I just think everything works so well in this story. Mm-hmm. It does very, very well. And I think the only things that didn't work for me were the very busty mummies. I love the mummies. I love the robot mummies or the mummy robots, whatever you want to call them. Oh, they were fun. But <laughs> the mobots. The, the, you know, it's like. They, Did you say mobots? Mumbots. Mumbots. <laughs> it was funny, though, because the poor, the poor poacher was crushed between the cleavage of the yeah, two that, mummies. Oh, yeah, that was maybe not the best. That's, that was like, that was an unfortunate scene. I was like, what are they doing? Like, that just looks <laughs> odd. Yeah, uh, and I think I think the the other guy just shot him to to put him out of his misery. So he didn't. Right. 
he, he didn't actually hit one of the mummies. Um, but I, I love the look of the mummy bots. Uh, mum bots. Uh, mum bots. Um, you know, I looked it up because I was like, are they robot mummies? Are they mummy robots? And uh, the I, I guess when you like when they sell them as action figures, they call them mummy robot. So yes. um, uh, so I guess technically they're mummy robots. Um, but uh, and by the way, I want like action figures of these guys for the longest time, but they, they are not cheap. They have them, but man, you have to pay a lot. Oh, I... or uh, especially for the ones that are just the the plain uh, wrapped mummies instead of like the gold ones that you find on Mars. Uh, the um, oh horses, the, ones yeah. that, the one that works for horses. Yeah, the ones yeah. that work for horse. Boy, you got to be careful when you say that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have a they have an awesome playset, a couple of playsets uh, that uh, you know you can build that whole pyramid uh that uh sarah jane blows up you can build that whole thing you can uh build the whole chamber and mars and all that i mean they they have some really cool stuff but whoo it's it's really pricey and then of course most of it is only available in the uk so to ship it here is like two or three times what you would pay for the merchandise so it's crazy so i remember when i had the what the five and a half inch figures Mm -hmm. i had like four of the mummies and you know because they sold them as a two-pack if i remember correctly yeah and so i I bought two of them for you know for my collection and i had you know most of them you know i had the full run of the doctor who stuff and it was like all right what other stuff are they putting out they just did the mummies and it's just like you know i would love to have seen more stuff like that yeah, now you can get uh, oh, both kinds now, of mummies. You now can you get, can get, yeah. You can get uh, Horus uh, both in the mask and out, out of the mask. You mean Sutek? Uh, not, so, all right, Sutek, right. And then uh, you can get uh, the the one of um, Marcus looks right. really good. Um, the uh, And then they have a, a Tom Baker uh, from that era too. Um, they don't have a Sarah Jane from there. Not that I could find, but um, that's... <laughs> That's one thing. Okay, so it begins, and you're right, Mike. It's a great beginning. Um, great for people who've never watched Doctor Who. I think this is really accessible because. Well, that's uh, right, that's where right. I was thinking. It's like, wait a minute, this is going in for people who have not seen it before. But the Doctor's brooding because he's having some sort of midlife crisis, I guess. At uh, what seven hundred and what is it? Fifty. <laughs> 15 years? Yeah. yeah, he says 750, which is meaningless, of course. You throw it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, now it's like... But um, uh, but Sarah comes out and like, look at what I found in one of the, you know, the rooms. And, he's, and he says... And actually, it's one of those rare occasions where Tom refers to a previous Doctor incarnation, where he says that was Victoria's. Um, and she's like, what do you think? And he's like, you know, whatever. And... and um, I'm sitting there thinking, and all throughout the story, I'm thinking, Sarah, it looks nice, but it's the most impractical thing you could have picked. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. It's like the absolute worst thing you want to be running around. <laughs> yeah. Try hiding in this bright white outfit <laughs> in the woods. I'm like, how, how do you keep from tripping over it? Oh, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you poor thing. I'm like, man, they've, they've done, she's had better costumes. Let's put it that way. I mean, like I said, she looked great in it, but um, 
practical purposes, it was about his practical. Yeah, that's that. It makes sense that it was victorious. Yeah, of course it was. You know, <laughs> it was just like, and I love how he kept on calling her Victoria for, at first, and he was like, she was like, who? Oh, somebody I used to travel with. Um, but uh, no, I I I like the Egyptian aspect of it, um, and uh, of course the this is during the peak, I think, uh, Hinchcliffe years, um, where uh, they're just knocking things out of the park. You, they have things that they they're obviously telling these like stories that have a basis in classic horror, and this one is of course the Mummy, but they do their own science fiction Doctor Who spin on it, and. Uh, I, I I just like it a lot. Yep, I think it was pretty yeah. awesome. The I mean, effects it's just are really great. Fun. Uh, I mean, eff- it, it's it's like watching one of those old time mummy movies. Yeah. the The effects are pretty good. Um, I mean, sir, there's a couple that look hokey for whatever, but um, like the, the smoke, TARDIS hanging from a string. <laughs> the smoke effect uh, that. Um, Marcus has when he comes out of the uh, the portal uh, with his feet every t- every step he takes is smoking and then when he um, sort of kills the the guy with the fez poor fez guy um, mm-hmm. he's such a great organist um, <laughs> so he kind of came out of nowhere I know, like, <laughs> why, why is he sitting there playing the organ yeah it's like <laughs> is this mean something uh, but anyway. Um, that's probably why I died. It's like, no, I need a new servant. Cause that guy, that <laughs> organ is really getting on my nerves. Um, but um, no, when he kills him and that, I don't know if it's dry ice or what they're using, but it, it looks so badass. And uh, uh, the effect when Marcus dies at the end and he just kind of sort of crumbles. Oh, I think that a lot was of that, so cool. That was yeah, really well yeah, done. That, that, that was well done. That stuff works. Um, and uh I think it's you know they did they you know they their budget is so little when they when they get it right it's just amazing to me when it works. <laughs> no, and that's a good way to put it because everything worked in this. There was there was some you know running around where they didn't need to do, but this worked in on so many different levels. And in this, you also realize how much of a good shot Sarah is too. Yeah, that's, uh, I like, I like seeing Sarah, I don't know, seeing badass Sarah, uh, you know, when the doctor's trying to like, make sure you don't miss. And she's like, I got this. Um, uh, but, you know, the more I thought about it and then watching the bonus material, um, Liz Sladen was not a fan of, of, of it. Not because she doesn't like firearms or guns or anything like that. It's just because she didn't think that was ever established and i mean she's been playing sarah for what three years now um and she just didn't think that was in her character and uh i think the director was like no no this is you you have to do this so that's you know she had to do it um but uh because i don't think she ever i don't think it's a skill we ever see her use again no 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 no. it just came out of nowhere yeah (laughs) Just and, like we need, we need something to happen here. We'll just make, have her do it. And yeah. you don't want to show the doctor shooting the gun. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Uh, well, and the doctor's in, in, you know, he's in mummy form, which I was stunned. If you had told, like, I was thinking, there's no way Tom is actually in that outfit. No way there. That Tom. now later on, Tom probably is like, 
hell no, I'm not getting in that. <laughs> but this is still early, Tom. And apparently he did get in that outfit because they had a bunch of kids on set that were visiting the set that day from a nearby school. And, he, you know, he was walking around and they had no idea until he lifted off the, the helmet that it was really Tom Baker underneath there. Um, and I was like, wow. I, I want to see how they got all the curls under there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> how do they get the scarf underneath it exactly so but yeah no i thought it was it was it was fun you know some of the characters are a little overblown but i thought overall i thought it the story moved the cliffhangers were awesome the villain was great you know Sutek was awesome. Sutek's great, but also Marcus, uh, played by Bernard Archer, really good. I mean, he just has that Evil look like he belongs in a Hammer movie. Like he just has that that lip that sticks, that bottom lip that sticks up, and and his eyes and the makeup they put on there to accentuate that. He just looks evil. There was a lot in this episode, actually. I'm glad you brought up Hammer because it felt like it it could have easily fit into an, a Hammer film. Most mm-hmm. of Hinchcliffe's episodes yeah. feel yeah. like, it's like de- definitely influenced. They're like they're like they're like a hammer for young adults during this period. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's 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 more Robert Holmes than anything else. Um, and that's the other thing I like about this too is even though um, uh, uh, Stephen Harris's name is on there, it's really not Stephen Harris who wrote this uh it was uh i think there uh, is no stephen harris right there is no stephen harris it was robert holmes and lewis uh griffler yeah and because lewis wrote it and and did the the first treatment but it was not filmable because he didn't write it in episode form and all that and then robert holmes just took it over and made it robert holmes i mean this 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 is a robert holmes uh story which uh you know for my money he's i don't know i don't want to call him the best doctor who writer but he's up, he's up there. there yeah he's yeah, up there he's, he's up there um he knows how to get the stories moving and yes he does have a you know affinity for for hammer stuff for for classic horror and stuff so a lot of that seeps into this time period but i think it works great um because it's not just a straight up mummy ripoff it is it's got these sci-fi elements to it that make it make it doctor who oh yeah and he's pretty good at coming up with interesting secondary characters too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah, the relationship between the brothers. That, that was uh that was such a genius thing to put in because it really humanized Marcus. Humanized really... Marcus. Right. And I'm sorry, May. Um No, no, that's okay. He, uh it does because um Lawrence is really um relatable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean he, he just wants to save his brother and the doctor is such a dick. Oh, the he's jerk, like your brother's yeah. dead. Your I brother mean, is just a living corpse, and we find I mean, out that that's not true. Yeah, I mean, well, the doctor see is looking at the big picture, yes, so absolutely. he's just he's just dismissing, right? Well, exactly, right. and you know, he wasn't yes. living. You know, he was he was already dead. It was just movement. It wasn't even a living corpse. It. I mean, there were there were twice where we saw you know his brother actually get through to him, um, and then at the end. You know, when he dies, when Sutekles releases him or whatever, he's like, I'm finally free. And then he crumbles and it's like, damn, Lawrence was right all along. You were in there, deep in there. And that must have been torture for you. Mm -hmm. But that's what I mean by, 
the Lawrence humanizes him because otherwise he would be a very, I mean, not, not necessarily one note, but, but just too, just yeah. completely evil yeah. instead of, and Lawrence keeps forcing you to remember that's a human being yeah. who's been co-opted. He's a slave at that point. Yeah. And it just which makes think, it that much more meaningful. Which I think the doctor only finds out later when he becomes possessed by Sutek. Um, yes. And, uh, and, and then, and survives that. Nope. Very true. And that was, that's what made it great was, you know, seeing that. And I love the scene when Lawrence was showing the brother, the picture, like going, you know, Hey, you remember this was us, you know? And, you know, it's just like, and he started like looking at him and then, you know, of course, Sutek gained control again. And, you know, then he kills the brother. You know, what the hell? It's over. Boom. And that, and that, and Sarah Jane helps seal that home when she's like, that's horrible. And doctor has no feelings about it whatsoever. And she's like, that's when she says like, you know, <laughs> you really I mean, aren't she, human. She are loses you? it a little bit at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. Uh, that's uh, but you're right. He's obsessed because once he fig- finds out, figures out the danger in this and how, universal the danger is i mean he's on a one-track mind to stop it and uh he's obsessed that way yep i agree and it's it's just it was it worked but yeah that's why i felt like this was more of like it almost felt like it was like were they trying to do it like a pilot or like a re-intro for the doctor or something i i don't know it's uh you know it's it's the third story in the 13 seasons so it's really kind of in the middle uh i don't know if they're trying to you know do that um uh you know i don't know i don't i don't know why it feels that fresh but i do find a lot of the stories feel pretty fresh during this time period i mean i think they 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 figured out well this is the time where they're realizing and philip this is why philip hinchcliffe is one of the best showrunners ever um, and this is when he realizes that the kids who grew up watching Doctor Who are older now. And if you want them to still watch Doctor Who, you've got to give them something to 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 care about, to to you gotta interest them. It's not just about interesting, like, you know, keeping the kiddies in, entertained anymore. It's about continuing to keep your fans of the fans of Doctor Who interested. And you can only do that by making the stories a little bit more complex and in some cases a little bit more violent. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I there mean, was boy, a ton of violence a, in this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this yeah. One, yeah, this one's, I mean, watching yeah. the doctor be tortured and <laughs> watching and killing his brother. And I mean, it's pretty hardcore. Death by cleavage, you know, that kind of stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know, look, look, the guy is a poacher. Don't tell me he doesn't have it coming. <laughs> poacher should always be squeezed between two big boobed mummies. Exactly. <laughs> oh, when you say that out loud, it sounds, it actually sounds, yes, like something I can do. <laughs> it actually makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Um, Tom's great in this, of course. Uh, Sarah is great in this, despite the fact that she's not, um, that she's dressed 
incorrectly and uh that she has to do this thing with the gun she still manages to pull it off liz does anyway and 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 the the chemistry between them it's got uh, episode four has set, has got one of my be- my favorite visual gag scenes that they've ever done, which is when they turn around the corner and one of the mummies is right there. Oh God, turns, that's so great! Around, looks at them, and they they swip, swiftly like turn around and go the other way. Like it is, it, I'm not doing it justice, but those people who have they seen it, it, it just is it's so funny. I don't, it, <laughs> they are so good together. It's like here we come, and they're oh no, we're not. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Oh, and I loved how Tom figured out, you know, how to get Sarah out of the trap in episode four. Yep. You know, if you're the mummy who's telling me the lie, you would tell me which one would you want me to push. And so that was pretty good. And that was a lot of fun in it. And the one little flaw, you know, was when Sarah's, you know, found when they saw the puzzle on the wall and, you know, Oh, I remember this from, you know, the episode Death of the Daleks. She never saw that in Death of the Daleks. She didn't go into the city. The third doctor. <laughs> she she just heard about it afterwards. Exactly. It's like, <gasps> oops. Because don't tell me the doctor didn't brag about it. Oh, of course. Especially the Pertwee doctor. Damn straight he did. Exactly. Sarah, you would have, you know, he would have been just sitting there, you know, talking about it for hours and hours and hours. So this is cool any final thoughts or anything on this before we go ahead and review i don't know i i i love this one so much so yeah. uh i i have i've got nothing but raves about it really okay any short i'm not i'm not saying there's no shortcomings to it because obviously there there are but um i don't care the, t- the, <laughs> like tartus, it, the tartus on the string the, uh, mm. and you know what if that's the only shortcoming then I like who, yeah. you know like who, it doesn't even matter hey, at no. least the tartus <laughs> just didn't pop in <laughs> yeah yeah like it, yeah, well <laughs> I like uh, the tartus and I don't know it's one of the it's one of the rare times I think we see in the classic era that he has a uh, that he uses a key for it I think isn't it Oh yeah, no, they've had used the key at other times, but I love how the key was floating on the string. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why wasn't that smoking? Yeah. <laughs> everything, everything else that came out of the portal was smoking. Yeah, that was funny. All right, let's go ahead. One out of five Tardises, one being the worst, five being the best. Mary, you want to go first tonight? Oh, I'm giving it a five. I mean, there are little things I could ding it on, but this is one of my favorite episodes of the classic era. I have seen it many times and it holds up every time. Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, there are sometimes we, we watch some of these episodes and I'm like checking my watch every 10 minutes. <laughs> is it over yet? Is this thing really going to go on this long? But not, not this one. This one is, it's just fun. It is just so much fun. To, and it is a lot like watching an old Hammer movie and, and has kind of the same sensibility and, and the same sense of fun. I would recommend this to anybody, whether you're a Doctor Who fan or not. Go watch it. it it's it's great. Awesome. Mikey? Uh, again, yeah, five. Uh, this is uh, the peak of the Philip Hinchcliffe era. This is the peak of the Robert Holmes era. This is the peak of... Uh, the fourth doctor and his best friend, Sarah Jane Smith era. Everything is just working here really well. Um, the story is, is well told and tight. Like there's not too many wasted scenes, if any. Um, 
it, it, it just goes by really quickly. Um, you know, if it was six parts, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, you know, I would have noticed cause I'm like, wow, it's so, it's just so fun to watch. Um, we didn't mention one thing we didn't mention is that it is one of the uh, uh, earliest uh, Doctor Who. I think that was directed by a woman. It was directed by Patty Russell, who was one of the earliest female directors at the BBC. And uh, so credit to her for doing that. Um, and, and such a great job because this is one of the classics for me. It's it's like right up there in my top five. No, that's awesome. That is really awesome. Um, for me, actually. Um, I'm going to give this a four and a half. Um, you know, there was, I loved it. You know, don't get me wrong. It was great. Just a little typical 1975 Doctor Who isms, you know, the effects a little bit and such pushed it down for me. And then the other thing was how did Sarah's dress stay white the whole time <laughs> with her walking through the woods and everything and you know falling down all the time and you know all the you know so it's just like okay so four and a half it's still great please you know definitely watch it um i did um check um around and i did see that uh, big finish actually had a bernie summerfield adventure the triumph of sutek so in the seventh with the seventh doctor era mm. So, um, definitely you could possibly check that out. So, and then of course the comics, you know, the 10th doctor took on Sutek for a major storyline and it lasted almost a year, I think in this, in the comics. So definitely if you get chance to, if you like the characters and you know, you love the story, might as well follow it up. It's pretty awesome. And Gabrielle Wolf, who does the voice and so excellently is still around. Like, I mean, granted, he's like 88 or whatever, but come on, big finish. Like, like use him. He's got such a great voice. Um, yeah. He did, he did the beast and the Satan in Satan Pit. Oh, wow. Did he? Mm-hmm. And he also did play. That's awesome. He also did mm-hmm. play Sutek in the audio adventure, too. What a tie in that is that he's the beast in, in the Satan Pit because, you know, one of his, his names is, uh, that the doctor calls him in this is Satan. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, pretty awesome. So, definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. Let us know what you guys thought. Pretty awesome episode to review, guys. Thank you guys for joining us, as always. And, you know, let's thank our crew, of course, Ms. Mary Ogle. Thank you so much for having me. This was a fantastic episode to talk about. Want to promote your stuff? You can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, sir. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. And if anybody can hook me up with some of those uh, play sets of Suset, Sutek. Suset? <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's, what they, what, that's what they're called. The, the play sets of Sutek uh, line of the uh, toys or whatever. Let me know because, man, I, I'd love to have that stuff. That is awesome. That would be awesome. So definitely love to hear from you guys. Join us again next time. And we are going to have a listener request episode. So we will let you know what we're going to be reviewing when we review it. So it should be a lot of fun. But until then, on behalf of myself, Mike Faber, and of course, Mike Gordon and Mary Ogle, we will see you here next time on 
your station who podcast. Peace. And we are done. Boom. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. We gotta talk. Yeah, Thunder Talk. We're going all kinds of sideways with that sweet nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. It's topical. Political. Dare I say radical. We've got all your latest news and reviews. Hot music. And a whole lot of comedy. But it ain't for kids. Definitely mature content. So let's talk. Let's talk Thunder Talk. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello everyone, Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.